This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church Reno, we love God, love others, and make a difference. For more information, visit lifechurchreno.com. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Well, I hope you had a very very good Christmas with your family. And so today I want to share with you as we um, kind of wrap up this Christmas season of messages. Today, we're going to look at the story of the wise men through a little bit of a different lens. I'm really hoping that today we can gain some wisdom from these wise men that I believe can set the tone for our lives and really set the tone as we go into 2022. So if you have your Bibles, go over to Matthew chapter two, and we're going to look at verse 1 to begin. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star. I want you to hone in on that little phrase. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. I believe one lesson that we can learn from these wise men that I believe can set a great tone for us as we go into 2022 is these guys were living life with a hopeful expectation. What we see is this moment where this this new star comes and and the only people all, all around that notice are these men because simply they were paying attention. They they were living life with a hopeful expectation. And here's the, here's the thing. It's one thing to have high hopes for your life. It's one thing to have high hopes for, for the new year. But what these guys were doing is their hope was rooted in the truth of God's word. See, because of, of what had happened hundreds of years before, where the, the people of Israel were sent into exile into Babylon, with them, they, they took their knowledge of the scripture. And we see guys like Daniel and Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego that, that rose into positions of, of, of significant influence and, and power in that culture. And, and they brought the knowledge of the Old Testament with them. And, and, and most scholars believe that's why these wise men were waiting with this expectation for, for this Jewish Messiah to come. Many people believe it was rooted in this prophecy we see in, in Numbers 24, 17. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him. Him, but not near, talking about this, this someone that's coming in the future, this Messiah. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. So these guys, even though they're living in Babylon or modern day Iraq, hundreds and hundreds of miles away, they have this hopeful expectation that is rooted in God's word. It's We talked a few weeks ago about God's promises, and so we see this hopeful expectation rooted in God's word. And I think about these guys and I ask myself this question. How much do we miss of what God's doing in us and around us, the things he is doing, the things he wants to do? How much do we miss because we're simply not looking? We're simply not paying attention. We hear these tragic stories of, of with all of us being so connected to our technology and our phones. We, we hear these stories of these people that have these terrible accidents because they're just walking through life, staring at their phone, and they either walk into traffic. I've even heard stories walking over into the Grand Canyon and to their death simply because 
because they're not paying attention. I wonder for us, how much do we miss because we're simply not paying attention? How much do we miss because we're not looking? See, so much of life is we see the things that we're looking for. And, and people that go through life with a sense of hopeful, hopeful expectation of what God is going to do in them and through them and around them, people that are looking for it, see it and can join in and participate in it. But many times we're so distracted by all of these other things. We don't go through life with a hopeful expectation. I think one of the the terrible sadnesses of the last couple of years is I think so many of us, just because of the uncertainty and just kind of the, the, the cloud that's been over us through this pandemic, I think a great many of us, I even wonder in my own self sometimes, have we just lost some of our sense of hopeful expectation? But what we can see from these wise men is their life was defined by this hopeful expectation rooted in the truth of Scripture. And I want to ask you, As we approach 2022, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for that's that's actually rooted in God's word and his promises? What are you expecting? What are you looking for? And, And where are you looking for God's activity in your life? What are you hoping God's gonna do in you and in your family and through you? And, and how are you living with a sense of hopeful expectation of all that God wants to do? And are you looking for it as we go into 2022? Let's keep reading this story, Matthew chapter two, verse three. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And then verse 5, in Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And then quoting this Old Testament prophecy, but you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As, as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now we know here that Herod is tricking them. He's telling them a lie. His motive wasn't to worship this newborn king. His purpose was to, to kill this newborn king. We're going to see later in the story that, that God appears to, to Joseph and Mary and tells them of this plot to kill Jesus. And then they go as refugees to Egypt, fleeing for their lives, much like these Afghan refugees were helping in this Christmas time. They flee out of fear for, for, for their own safety. They flee to Egypt as refugees because Herod was out to kill baby Jesus because there was this new king that, that he felt threatened by. He says, as soon as you find him, report to me that I may go and worship him. He lies about it. And it says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Here's the second wisdom from these wise men that we can base our lives on is make pursuing Jesus your life's greatest goal. 
Now, scholars estimate that these wise men were lived somewhere between 500 and 900 miles away. They estimate that it would have taken at least two to three months a journey for them to get their travel. And that day was not only arduous and lengthy, but dangerous. Bandits were known to lurk so that they could rob those who were traveling. But these wise men have this resolve in their heart that nothing's going to stop them from going and seeing this brand new king, King Jesus. They make this pursuit. They go on this quest. They go on this difficult journey that they might encounter Jesus. And I believe for us, as we go into 2022, well, what if we took this wisdom? What if we made pursuing Jesus literally our life's greatest goal, where nothing was going to get in the way of that, no matter how much time it took, no matter how much it costs, no matter how challenging it was, we're going to make pursuing Jesus life's greatest goal. I'm really excited. Next week, we're kicking off a brand new series that we're calling Train. It's this moment of time. So many of us, as we kick off the new year, kind of go on a a, a an exercise, exercise kick, have New Year's resolutions. We're going to exercise more. We're going to get more fit. We're going to get stronger. And we should do all of those things physically. But we're really, we're the, the real key for our success in life, for, for us to really be all that God's made us to be. While, while the physical stuff matters, the Bible says, it's really this training for godliness that really matters. We're going to, this series we're kicking off next week. It's actually rooted in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 7. It says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. If, if this was being written in today in our vernacular, it would say, Have nothing to do with all of the lies on the internet, is what it's saying. He says, Rather, train yourselves to be godly. That's the key phrase. That's where we're getting this key phrase for, for this series. Train, train yourselves to be godly. It says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. And so what if we took this wisdom from these wise men and said, for, for this next year, but really for the course of our life, we're going to make pursuing Jesus the greatest goal in our lives. Let me give you this third bit of wisdom from these wise men. Look here, verse 11. It says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What we see is with these wise men is they had this, their living life with this hopeful expectation they pursue Jesus with all of their might, and then they respond to King Jesus with total allegiance. We see this total allegiance marked by two things. The first is extravagant worship. They show up to Jesus and they present these three gifts, these three gifts all costly, and these three gifts all um, showing that they understood who Jesus was. They, they're all symbolic. This gift of gold is this picture 
picture of royalty, Jesus as king. This gift of frankincense, this incense, was used primarily in worship. It was a big part of, of Jewish worship, as there would be this incense that was burned. And, and this is a sign of Jesus, both as divine and also as priest. And so Jesus is king, Jesus as this divine priest. And then this myrrh, now myrrh would be for us similar to embalming fluid. It's something that would be used to prepare a body for burial. It was, it was kind of an odd gift, honestly, to give. And, and that it's, it's like taking to a baby shower. This, this something related to someone's death that would be many decades later. And, and what we see here is this picture that this baby Jesus was born that he might die. And so their worship was in response to understanding who Jesus really was. But, but really, it was even more than that. This worship they were bringing was a sign of their total allegiance and submission. See, what was very the norm in the ancient world is when there would be a, a new ruler, a new king, especially if it was a, a, a ruler or king of a greater kingdom than the, the, than the surrounding kingdoms, then they would send a delegation with gifts of tribute marking their honor, but more than that, their submission to this king that is greater than the surrounding kingdoms. And so when, when these emissaries of, of the, the surrounding kingdom, this surrounding lesser kingdom, came to this newborn king of this greater kingdom, they bring these gifts. We see prophecy of this, even in the Old Testament. We see in Psalm 72, Solomon is the author of this psalm, and in this psalm, he, in one sense, is, is praying a blessing on himself, but there's, but as you, if you look at it, this is something that couldn't really come to pass in one person, a, a mortal king, um, but he's also talking about this future king, this Messiah, King Jesus. Let me show this to you. Psalm 72, verse 8. It says, may he rule from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. So he's talking about a kingdom much bigger than the kingdom that Solomon or David or any king of Israel would ever be the king over. It's this kingdom of, of, of all kingdoms. May he rule from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. Speaking of this ultimate victory, may the kings of Tarshish and of distant, let me show you this, the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. Clearly, this was not fulfilled in Solomon's life or David's life or, or any other earthly king's life. It's something that will only be fulfilled when Jesus comes back, ushers in his forever kingdom in all of its fullness. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him, for he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May, again, may gold from Sheba be given him. May the people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. And then a couple of verses later, verse 17, may his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun 
then all nations. And now we see this tie-in to the, to the, to the uh, promise that God made Abraham when he's establishing the nation of Israel. This promise ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Solomon's now quoting back. Then all nations will be blessed through him and they will call him Blessed. And so when these three magi, these wise men come and offer this, these gifts, it's this, this extravagant worship, incredibly costly, incredibly valuable, understanding they all have a picture of what, who Jesus is, what he came to be, the king, and that he also came to be our, our divine priest, and then ultimately he came to die in our place. But even greater than that, it's this act of full submission. They're paying tribute as, as, as representatives of a lesser king and lesser kingdom to now this greater king and greater kingdom and they're coming to bow the knee in tribute and submission. See, if I, those, this wisdom that we see in these men is this total allegiance to King Jesus, marked by a life of extravagant worship where, where they're bowing the knee in submission. And then we see this life of radical obedience. Let me show this to you. Another mark of this allegiance, it says in verse 12, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So they had been given this command by King Herod to, to, to let him know where the baby is because Herod wanted to, to kill baby Jesus. But then they'd been warned by God in a dream not to obey King Herod, but to obey God. And listen, Herod was a madman. He, he was a crazy person. Not, we simply, this act of where, where he would order the death of all the baby boys under two years old in that area, that was not the only crazy act we see in Herod's life. He was a crazy, crazy, wicked man. And to go against his edict was to do so at incredible risk to yourself. But what happens is God speaks to these wise men and says, don't do what he told you to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. And they obey God, even at great risk. There's this radical obedience. See, if I am going to live the life I was made to live, it includes this complete and total allegiance to King Jesus, marked by extravagant worship and also radical obedience. What would it look like? What, how would 2022 look different for you than 2021 and the years before? If you went to another level in this total allegiance to Jesus, how, how would it look different? How would your worship look different? What, what would extravagant worship look like for you? And what would radical obedience look like for you? So I want to encourage you as we go into this new year in just a few days, let's reflect on this wisdom from these wise men. Go into 2022 with this sense of hopeful expectation that causes me to look for God's activity in my life, in my family's life, in this church, in me, through me, and around me, where I'm living with a life of hopeful, hopeful expectation.
And then let's make pursuing Jesus the greatest goal for our lives. And then let's live lives of total allegiance to King Jesus. Let's pray. So Father, as we come into the final week of 2021, Lord, we find ourselves grateful for all that you've done in our lives in this last year. Lord, we thank you for how you've sustained us. Lord, we thank you for your activity in our lives. And and Lord, as we go into 2022, Lord, I, I pray that you would just fill us with a sense of hopeful expectation that we wouldn't go into this year just feeling like it's another year where we're dealing with the things going on in the world and the pandemic and all of that. But God, that, that you would raise our hopes, not based on our circumstances, but based on you and your character and your goodness. And Lord, in this year, might we pursue you more than we ever have before. And Lord, might we live lives of total allegiance to King Jesus. Lord, lives marked by extravagant worship and radical obedience to our one true King. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this and we'll see you soon.